podcasting from my sex writing cave where all the smut happens in real life, in my head, or on paper, this is the Smut Lancer Podcast Show, a weekly podcast where we discuss writing and creating content about sex and getting paid to do it. I'm your host and fellow Smut Lancer, Kayla Lords. Welcome to episode six. This week, I'm sharing a book I just finished reading um, all about female writers and their friendships and how it feels like it relates to the friends we have and make as small answers. If this is your first time listening, glad to have you. If you're back for another week, welcome back. The Smut Lancer podcast is produced every Wednesday, and show notes are found at thesmutlancer.com. Follow me there or on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at thesmutlancer. This week's episode is brought to you by Blueberry, a podcasting hosting solution that makes podcasting affordable and easy. If you're thinking of creating audio content and want a hosting service and plugin that integrates with your website and offers great analytics, check out Blueberry. I use Blueberry for this podcast, the Loving BDSM podcast, and the soon-to-be-released Masturbation Monday podcast, and it's easy, affordable, and has great tech support. Use the code KaylaLords, all one word, to get one month free to try it out. Again, that's Blueberry, B-L-U-B-R-R-Y, no E, y'all, dot com, and use code Kayla Lords for one month free. Okay, y'all, so I sat down on Saturday and actually read an entire book, the first time I've been able to do that in a few weeks. The last book I read was for the kinky book club I have over at Loving BDSM, and it was um, some nice sort of steamy uh, erotica that didn't require a lot of thought, which is not why I read erotica. Um, but this was a nonfiction book called A Secret Sisterhood, The Literary Friendships of Jane Austen, Charlotte Bronte, George Eliot, and Virginia Woolf. Um, it's, the forward was written by Margaret Atwood, which is pretty freaking cool. And I'm not sure I can say the last name of one of the authors. Uh, it's Emily Midorikawa, I think, and Emma Claire Sweeney. Uh, I will link to the book... Um, in the show notes, I'll link to, it'll be an affiliate link from Amazon, but if you're interested, get it wherever you like to buy books. And in all honesty, I checked it out from the library. <laughs> That's how I um, got access to it. It's a brand new book, just came out in 2017. Um, and they wrote it because uh, literary history focuses a lot on male authors and their friendships. Um, sometimes those friendships are more like frenemies, but... <laughs> The friendships of male authors, um, Ernest Hemingway and um, Fitzgerald uh, come to mind. Um, but in this case, it was um, Jane Austen and the friendship she had with a governess, Anne Sharp. Um, and then uh, Charlotte uh, Bronte and, oh gosh, her, she had two friends, one of whom was a woman named Mary Taylor, who did not lead the Victorian life that she was expected to, which is kind of interesting. Um, George Eliot was friends with pin pals, is how we would probably look at it today, with Harriet Beecher Stowe um, across the pond. And then Virginia Woolf and Catherine Mansfield um, were friends, but they were also kind of frenemies. Um, <laughs> they were rivals and they did not communicate well. And so there were a lot of misunderstandings. And it is a fascinating look and it's broken up into four parts, you know, each um, literary um, historical figure and their friends, um, some of whom were writers, some of whom weren't. Um, and the point is not to give you a, a book review. If you are interested in it, please, please, please check it out if that's your kind of uh, thing to read. But the reason I wanted to talk about it was because it made me think of 
the friends we make as bloggers and creators. Um, I have several people I would call um, buddies and friends and I'll chat with them and I'm very supportive of them. But I have one person who like she's we consistently tell each other i wish we lived near to each other so that we could just sit and have coffee um that's molly moore um she is my uh, twitter bud i will email her not email her twitter dm her questions and get her opinion and she'll do the same thing and we didn't set out to be um sounding boards for one another and i'm not her only sounding board she has other friends um i do not make friends well so she's my twitter buddy <laughs> um but it has been extremely um, beneficial, I think, to both of us, not just because we are able to be reminded that we're not the only ones out there doing the thing we do. Um, in the way that we do it, our styles are very similar. Um, but we also have somebody that we trust to tell us good, bad, or otherwise, you know, what they think and um, what their opinion is on either a thing we want to do or a company we want to work with. Um, and those kinds of friendships are absolutely, um, I think, essential. Can you get by as a, a freelancer or a writer um, or an artist of any kind without friends? You can, um, but is your life enriched when you have at least one person who understands what you do, um, understands it from the creative perspective? John Brownstone understands what I do and he knows how hard I work, but until he really started digging deep into making podcasts and doing more blogging and creating more content, he didn't quite understand what all it took. Um, but my friendship with Molly, she gets it. She has been doing it longer than I have, so she actually gets it better than I do. I will go to her and say, what do you think of this? I haven't experienced it before, or um, I think I wanna do this, what's your opinion? Now, here's the thing about friendships. Um, you don't have to do what your friend tells you to do. <laughs> they should be a sounding board. They should maybe be a gut check um, to say, you know, what do you think? Am I on the right track? Um, but ultimately you have to make the decisions and a real friend, even if you make a decision, they don't necessarily support or don't think that they would um, do themselves. Um, is still going to support you and respect you and be there for you. Um, I do. I have no use for the frenemy thing. I don't, in regular life, whether that is your online social life as, you know, a smut lancer or in our very real lives, you know, being parents and spouses and partners and employees at, you know, some job, we have enough of those people, okay? Those people are everywhere. I am not going to bring a person into what I would kind of consider my personal inner circle um, who I think think is going to be kind of mean to me at times, or that I'm not 100% sure isn't saying mean things behind my back. That, that's not me. Um, I want somebody who I feel comfortable with and who whose judgment and opinion I trust and who that I truly believe that the conversation we have in private is a private conversation. Um, and then I will do the same for them. So I say that to y'all as a way to sort of say, if you have been really shy about trying to reach out and make your own blogging friends or artist friends or podcaster friends or whatever, um, to maybe encourage you to 
not to, to reach out to f make some friends um not everybody you reach out to is going to become like a bestie they're not gonna be your bff forever they don't need to be um some of you i know um are sort of gripped with crippling shyness and anxiety and the idea of talking to somebody in any form other than through your art that you create fills you with dread guess what totally understand. Um, I'm much more comfortable talking into a microphone than I am saying hi to a stranger. Um, all my social anxiety comes out. So what I tend to do is to make myself approachable. I am not the type to approach. I have this sort of thinking that if somebody wanted to talk to me, they would. And if they're not talking to me, they don't want to. Um, I know that's not true. And if you feel that way, guess what? I, I promise you it's not true. Um, but that's just how my, my brain has always worked. So what I try to do is make myself approachable. Um, if I respect somebody or if I think they're doing good work or I want them to continue doing their work to develop into whatever kind of smut lancer they might become, I'm going to share them. I'm going to retweet them. I'm going to, you know, boost them a little bit um, because I want to help them. And if they choose to start a conversation and we, we gel and it's a good, uh, vibe, then great. And if they just say thanks and they move on their merry way, I'm not offended by that. Um, it's really hard to make friends, I think for a lot of people, because we take a lack of immediate interest or enthusiasm as rejection when, it's not. I know that there are people who reach out to me and I don't, if I've ever, if anybody ever thinks I have ignored them, it's because I did not see something. It is not because I have ignored uh, anybody who had a legitimate question or comment or anything like that. Um, but people lead busy lives and we only have so much space um, in our brain and in our life and in our day and in down to in our, this five minutes um, for other people. So don't take a lack of immediate enthusiastic engagement as that they're not interested. They might just not have time. They might not be your person. You know, I'm not real into having huge groups of quote friends, you know, where some of them are friends and some of them are frenemies and some of them are acquaintances. I would not, that's not who I call a friend. The person I call a friend is the person that if I have a question at midnight, I can Twitter DM them knowing that they will answer when they get to Twitter and they wake up later. Um, and that I'll get an honest answer when they can. I respect their time. They respect my time. We respect what each other does. Um, and we respect each other's opinion. To me, that that's part of, of friendship. Now, um, what I have noticed, this is not universal so there uh, it doesn't have to work this way but just from observation what i have noticed is that some of the tightest bonds between creators tend to happen on a couple of levels either you've been doing your thing whether it's blogging or whatever for about the same amount of time um or you are kind of in the same space meaning you're kind of talking about the same things and so you have that point in common where you can have conversations um and sometimes it's um more about you as people like in the kink world i see uh littles coming together and i see slaves getting to know you know get, becoming really close friends and those the way you identify um i see it under the um lgbtq spectrum as well i th i think that's wonderful i don't i won't speak on it because I'm not in that spectrum, but I do recognize it in the kink spectrum. I, I know that a lot of the submissive friends I have tend to um, 
be more on a little scale than on a slave scale or whatever. So you can you can connect with people in multiple ways. Now, as a smut lancer, um, there's no rule that says they have to have been doing it as long as you, or they have to be doing the same thing as you. Sometimes it works better if you're doing two different things. One of you is a reviewer and one of you is an erotic writer. You know, sometimes that works. It's about the personality. That's just how I've kind of seen it paired up though. So if you're out there looking and you're thinking, I don't, I don't have that person that I can bounce ideas off of. Who should I reach out to? Who should I be paying attention to? Um, you might already have somebody right under your nose that you're chatting with on Twitter and you just haven't taken it to the next step. Or you uh, might be reading a blog or following an Instagram or whatever, and you admire them and you, you love what they do and you feel like you are doing something similar or you're in the same vein and you just haven't reached out to them. Um, Molly and I got to know one another through our blogs first because we would comment on each other's posts, especially when our lives seemed very similar. Um, she's been with her husband longer than I've been with John Brownstone, but and there are some clear differences, but there's some clear parallels too. So we related on that level. And then as I sort of developed as a blogger and figured out what I wanted to do, then we could relate on the professional level. So you will relate in however you're going to relate, but look around your sphere already. Who are you reading that you really admire? Who are you following that you really admire? Um, and sometimes it's the people that you really look up to and you think I'll never be like them, that they might actually be thinking the same thing about you or somebody else. Um, and sometimes it's the person that you perceive as being really, really new when really it's just they came on your radar five minutes ago, but they've been around for a while. So just start digging in and who, who is out there um, and reach out or make it so that you are approachable so that if you are like me and you find it just impossibly difficult to just approach somebody that you don't feel like, you know, in my mind, it's, I'm always thinking I'm going to be bothering them. If they wanted to talk to me, they would talk to me. Um, I don't, I, I probably need to have a, a talk with my therapist about that, but that's just how my brain works. Um, and for some people I it's, it's done through email and some people it's done through your blog comments. I met and got to know and almost fell in love with John Brownstone through blog comments. So don't tell me the blog comments on a website are not powerful things. They totally are. Um, those of us who do have blogs, I, I will say for me, it is actually difficult to get to know somebody who does not have a blog because if somebody reaches out i think well where am i how am i going to know everything about you if i can't go read your blog what i don't i don't you mean i have to actually ask you questions and get to know you like a regular person i don't even know how to handle it um the reason for it though is because you've got somebody to talk to. You've got somebody who relates, you know, are, if you're in, hopefully you are, if you're in a good relationship where your partner or partners are, um, supportive of what you do, that's wonderful. That makes a huge difference. It's much easier to create your art. If the person you live with and love supports you, even if they don't have a clue what the hell it is you're doing. Um, but there is something special about having a bond with somebody who not only supports you, in that level and wants you to do well, but that understands the nitty gritty, the, the small details, the frustrations, the bad days and the good days. The person who, if you contact them and go, oh my God, I got a website sponsor and they're actually gonna pay me real money. They know exactly what that means. And so they're excited for you 
on a whole other level. Um, now we are all human. So I want you to know that you are not an awful person. If your smutlancy friend, whether it's a blogger, podcaster, or video, person, whatever, whatever it is they do, if they tell you their good news and you are genuinely happy for them, and also thinking, oh, I wish I had that for myself. That I think is normal. It's normal to be uh, sort of a little bit of, oh, why, why aren't I doing that? Remember in my episode five, I'm talking about comparing and contrasting. It still happens even with your friendships. But the difference is, is that when this is a genuine friendship, you don't wish your friend ill because they got something you don't. What you do is you say, ooh, how, how'd you do that? Can you give me any tricks? Um, do you have a contact? Maybe not with that company, but with another company. Um, and you work hard to achieve what it is you wish you were achieving and you have that person's support. You have to support each other. A real genuine friendship, you need to support each other in whatever way you can, both in good times and in bad. Um, I think that it is prudent if you are the friend who's having all the good things happen to them that you um recognize that your friend might not they are happy for you but they might be feeling bad for themselves um I'm not going to condescend one of my friends and talk down to them and go oh they're there it'll be okay but I will be mindful of their feelings and I will offer to help them if that's what they want or I will continue to be a sounding board or whatever it is they need for me um but those Emotions do happen and they're complicated and it can, you know, make you question, um, am I really a good friend? Is this real? Yes. Yes. You're just having a very natural reaction because there is the perception. And if we could ever get rid of this perception, I'd be very happy. There's the perception of competition because as bloggers, as creatives, as artists, we kind of think that the resources of money are really, really finite and there's not a lot of money to go around. And that's not completely true. First of all, the sex industry is a multi-billion upon billion upon billion dollar industry. There's a lot of freaking money out there. And the success that your friend has is not supposed to be exactly the same kind of success you have. So you can be happy for them wish that you had had that good fortune and then go out there and work really hard for whatever your success is. The money is out there. The resources are out there. Sometimes it feels like they're hiding. Sometimes it, you have to work really, really hard to get to them. And sometimes you have to do things differently than you've been doing them or that differently than your friend is doing them to get there. But it is out there. So this, this perception of we're all in competition with one another, I just, I don't, buy it. There are so many people out there. There are so many companies out there. There are so many dollars out there. There's so many sets of eyeballs out there. My audience isn't your audience. Your audience isn't your friend's audience. There's some overlap, but there are some big, huge differences because we're all creating our own thing and we're all touching people in different ways. So I don't feel like we should look at each other as competitors. Okay. Now, if competitiveness helps you succeed, if you think, I want to achieve what I think that person over there has achieved. And I want this modicum of success. I, I decided this is my, this is my um, 
And this is what success is to me, right? So that's your website sponsored or your affiliate sales are bringing in real income or you've got bylines or you're selling product or you're selling courses or whatever it is, right? That's fine. Use the fact that people around you are doing well to help you feel competitive and do your best. But we can be friends with each other and not be direct competitors and think that my success means that you've been knocked down and your success means that I've been knocked down. That is in no way necessary. Do those people out there exist? Of course they do because this is life and people like that always exist. Um, In episode five, we talked about compare and contrast and how we can make ourselves feel bad by thinking we somehow haven't lived up to whatever it is we're we're trying to do and we're looking at what somebody else has done and it makes us feel bad about ourselves. That's not that other person's fault. That's, That's something about us that we need to deal with and we need to get real about. But you can and should have at least one friend who understands what you do, supports what you do, will give you honest feedback. Honest feedback is so freaking important. Give you an example. Things were happening online and I wanted to rant about it. And I wanted to rant so hard. I had so many, so many things to say. Pure emotion. I was just over it. It hit the roof. I was done. I was done. I was tired of seeing all this drama. So I wrote up a rant and then I stopped myself because it was a rant and I don't do drama and I rant. Anybody who follows any of my podcasts know I'm capable of a good rant, but I just, that's not my style on my blog. And I, this was a, this was a whole different thing. This didn't benefit my audience. This didn't benefit my readers. This didn't talk about what I normally talk about. This was so out of character. And I just went, I don't know. So I reached out to my friend and I said, friend, will you read this and tell me what you think? And my friend said, that's really good. And I agree with nearly every word, but if I were you, I would not publish it. And I said, why? And my friend said, would you like to invite drama to your front door? And I said, no. He said, okay, then do what you want to do, but you're asking my opinion. I, if it, especially if writing it made you feel better, great. Uh, thank you for letting me read it. It was nice to read because I guess I had echoed my friend's thoughts. Um, And then they said, don't publish it. Don't publish it. If I were you, I would not publish it. And I chose not to publish it. I chose not to publish it. I could have done whatever I wanted to do. I was already having that voice in my gut say, you might not want to publish this. And so then I went to a trusted friend who then said, no, I don't think you want to publish this. And then of course I asked John Brownstone, who is my first reader, and what do you think? And he said, this is great. You don't want to publish this. So I didn't publish the rant and there was no drama brought to my doorstep, um, which is what I needed. I have with the anxiety I have, the last thing I need is extra drama. There's no thank you. Uh, but those are the kinds of things that you need too. now. Sometimes you're going to say, what do you think? And you're not going to agree with the answer you get. OK, that's fine, too. Ultimately, you have to make your own decisions. But having that extra person who you know, you believe has your best interest at heart, who will give you an honest answer, even if it's an answer you wouldn't necessarily want to hear. Um, it can be a gut check and a, a sort of a stopgap moment for you when you are ready to barrel off the edge of a cliff and just go for it. And sometimes you need to barrel off the edge of that cliff. And sometimes you need to pull up short and go, wait, let me think this through again. So 
I don't, like I said, I don't have a ton. Um, I have a couple of people that I really trust with, with my stuff. Molly Moore is definitely one of them. Um, if we, if I, I think if she lived in the States, we, you would find us at a Wawa. Um, you'd have to know her and her husband, Michael, to understand that. And if I lived in the UK, we would be probably in her kitchen drinking coffee all day long, getting no work done, but we would be very happy with that. So, you know, if you don't already have that person, start trying to cultivate friendships. You cannot force anybody to be your friend. This is not kindergarten. You cannot go up to somebody and declare them your best friend and then tell them they have to be your friend. This is, this takes time. You have to get to know somebody. You have to decide that they're trustworthy. You have to decide that you're comfortable sharing certain aspects of your life. But I think if we can kind of get over that whole everybody else who does what I do as a competitor thing, then it becomes easier to forge those relationships and those friendships. Um, writer conferences like Eroticon in London in March, if you happen to be going, that's a great place to put a face and a voice to a name and an online persona and get to know somebody and see who you gel with and keep those, you know, those bonds going if you can. Um, you are not a failure if you don't, if you have that weekend and it's great and then you go home and you don't get to chat as much. Um, you have not failed. It's just life gets in the way. But when you make the effort and you find the person or the one or two people that um, fit you and you fit them and you have that bond, it it's huge for, for yourself as a creator, but also for your business, also for your prospects of making money because now you've got somebody else's feedback um, that you can kind of consider when you're weighing big decisions, especially if they have done some of the things that you want to be doing, or if they are going through it at the same time. Um, it's, it's immensely helpful. So that is it all based all of that. It was kind of ranty. I know, um, on, I'll say the title of the book again, but it is in the show notes, a secret sisterhood. Um, the Literary Friendships of Jane Austen, Charlotte Bronte, George Eliot, and Virginia Woolf. Um, in some of the stories, it kind of showed me how not to do friendships. Or Catherine Mansfield and Virginia Woolf, they were the last section of the book. And they probably would have had a better, stronger relationship if they would have just communicated better. Quite frankly, they let a lot of things go unsaid. Um, and they really did kind of become more frenemies than anything. Jane Austen. And her friendship with the governess in her family's household, Anne Sharp, um, that was sort of sad because they, this was in the, you know, late 1700s, early 1800s. Um, let me see if I'm getting my timing right. Yeah. So they, her family, Jane Austen's family, she'd become famous. She'd been selling these these stories and these books and these novels. And so they wrote her biography years after her death and they essentially erased one of the most important friendships of her life to the point that it's really just been in the past, you know, few decades that the information's even kind of come out and people, researchers don't even care about it that much. This book is, you know, according to the book, one of the first really in-depth looks at the friendship and because so much uh, got destroyed um, from their letters and correspondence, they actually had to sort of piece it together. So that is a whole other conversation about patriarchy and privilege and, and 
male versus female. And that's a, that's a conversation for another day, but it did make me think of the importance of friendships and how my friendship, I, I value my friendships. Um, I don't have many of them, but I do that on purpose. Um, I, it's a trust thing. I have self-esteem issues. Um, but they are the friendships I have made over the years have been invaluable. And if you have that friendship with a fellow smut lancer, somebody who gets what you do because they're doing kind of what you do, um, as long as it's a healthy friendship, then I, you know, cherish it. And if you don't yet put yourself out there and see, see who becomes your friend, see who you gel with, see who fits you, who's one of your people, you know, one of your tribe. Um, and I think over time it makes you better at what you do. So that is all I have for you this week. I have no clue what we're talking about next week because I fly by the seat of my pants around here. Um, if I read a good book, for all I know, there could be another episode in there. Um, but as always, thanks for listening to the Smut Lancer podcast with me, Kayla Lords. If you like what you just heard, please leave a review on your favorite podcast app and check out the blog, past episodes, and other great info at thesmutlancer.com. You can follow the Smut Lancer on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. I'm at the Smut Lancer in all three places. Feel free to reach out there or by email at Kayla at thesmutlancer.com with questions or topic suggestions. Thanks for listening and let's do this again next week.